0: In the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Sri Krishna, speaking to Arjuna, gives a definition of the truth, wherein he describes that when you have thus learned the truth, you will know that all living beings. Are my parts and parcels, that they are in me and that they are mine. To understand, in essence, who we are, and to live practically according to that knowledge, that is the truth. We are all part of God. Krishna, the Supreme Absolute Truth, or God, is satchit-ananda. He is eternal, full of knowledge, and full of bliss. As his parts and parcels, we are also eternal, full of knowledge, and full of bliss, qualitatively one with the Supreme. But we find that this body, which we so carelessly call ourself, is certainly not eternal. At the most, it will live 100 years. And in the process, after the age of about 35, it starts deteriorating. If you live 100 years, that means for 35 years you're growing and developing, and for 65 to 70 years you're simply deteriorating and going downhill. (coughs) So, obviously this body is not eternal as far as being full of knowledge we do not even know what is going to happen tomorrow we do not even know what is taking place in the next room there are a few things we know but there are hundreds and trillions infinite things that we do not know <laughs> what our knowledge even if you have a phd at the biggest university in all of the world Still, it's very tiny, infinitesimal, what you do know. And it's infinite, what you do not know. So certainly this body is not full of knowledge. And as far as being full of bliss, uh, (laughs) need we discuss it at length. This body is subjected to miseries at any moment. If all circumstances go exactly As you plan them, you are happy. But if one thing goes wrong, you become frustrated. And ultimately, that's all this body is a suffering. Old age is nothing but suffering. Simply trying to tolerate it, day after day after day. Trying to forget the pain. In the country I am from, the United States of America, uh, What do people do when they grow old? Actually, you can judge the mentality of a society by what people choose to do when they attain that stage of old age, when everything starts to fall apart. In this land of India, traditionally, the people would follow the Varnasham Dharma. Where after Grihastha life, after the children are grown up and they are supporting and maintaining themselves, and after the parents are old enough where they see that death is coming near, they retire from their worldly activities, they go to a holy place, and they dedicate uh, the remaining portion of their life exclusively to devotion to the Lord, to prepare for their next life. If you go to a holy place like Vrindavan, Ayodhya, Uh, Jagannath Puridham, you will find that a very large section of the population are very old. Widows, uh, old, old Babajis. They want to end their life in a very, very glorious manner. They want to end their life fixing their consciousness absolutely on the mercy of God. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Yam yam vapismaran Bhavam ke jatjante kalevaram tantan evaitikonte yasatatan bhavavatam. That whatever you think of at the time of death, that is what you will attain without fail. Antakali chamami vasmanan vakva kalevaram. Krishna says, one who thinks of me at the time of death will attain me. Of this there is no doubt. So what will we think of at the time of death? At the time of death, you are not given a choice of what you want to think of. Otherwise, we can just do all nonsense all our life and just come to that decision at the time of death I'll just chant Hare Krishna (laughs) and everything else doesn't matter. So why should I perform a religious life when sinful activity is so fun? I will just enjoy sinful activities to my heart's content, And at the time of death, I will just say, Hare Krishna, I know the secret. (laughs) But it does not work that way. At the time of death, it is such a traumatic experience that you have no option what you want to think of. The prominent consciousness that you have awakened during your life, that will all come together as a last thought at the time of death. If you are addicted to all materialistic activities during your life, there will be one great big desire for material sense gratification at the time of death. Reeked in fear and horror, seeing everything is being taken away. But if during your life you cultivate devotion to God, You cultivate love of God. You habituate yourself to finding pleasure and joy in the name of God. You seek shelter in the name of God. Then at the time of death, naturally, God will appear to you in his holy name. So because people have this intelligence in this great land of India, at least they're supposed to have this intelligence in this land of Bharat Varsha. Therefore, it has been traditional that at the old age people go to Badrinath, Ayodhya, Vrindavan, Rishikesh, or some holy place, specifically for the sake of purifying their consciousness and coming closer in devotion to the Supreme Lord. Now in my country, ah, the fine land of America, the land of the free and home of the brave, especially the young generation of India, they are mad to come to America. They'll do anything to come to America. They'll even join the Hare Krishna movement if they can get a visa. (laughs) What do the old people do? If you go to a place like southern Florida, Miami Beach, tens of thousands of old people from all over America go there to spend their last days, what do they do? They watch television. And when they want to have a more dynamic and exciting social intercourse, they play checkers. Do you know what checkers is? Do you have this in India? It's a a foolish little game where you just move one, one little disc from one square to the next. It's something children play. When you're five years old, you learn how to play this little game with a board move from one square to the next. Or they play chess. Uh Or they play cards. Uh In other words, they are so bored, there is so much pain and frustration in life, they're just uselessly finding any form of entertainment they can possibly grasp onto, simply for the purpose of forgetting the reality of life. Uh Actually, the various forms of entertainment, athletics, people take shelter of them because they simply want to forget the reality of the frustrations of their existence. people become addicted to watching television. Why? Because when the television's not on, all that's left is their own mind. And my God, it's horrible. So many frustrated thoughts, so many unfulfilled desires. It's intolerable to just face yourself and live with yourself, so you have to escape it by just finding some adventurous um, illusion. That you concentrate on. So obviously, this body and mind is not full of bliss. Therefore, if our existence is not eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss, we can understand we are not living according to the truth, we are living according to an illusion. Prahlad Maharaj in Bhagavatam declares Maya sukaya. He says to Lord Dev, My dear Lord, I may have been gone through so much persecution and hardships in my life, but I do not mind. The fact that I was, my father tried to kill me in so many various horrible ways. That does not disturb me the slightest bit, because I am always thinking of you and you are the source of all bliss. You are the source of all happiness. As soon as we think of you, all the miseries of material existence vanish. Krishna is like the shining sun. And the miseries of material existence are all based on illusion due to ignorance. Ignorance is darkness. Darkness of ignorance cannot possibly stand before the light of the sun of the truth or Krishna. Krishna describes in Gita when, however, one is enlightened by this knowledge, then all darkness and ignorance is dispelled as the sun lights up everything in the morning. So a devotee of the Lord, like Prahlad Maharaj, he was not in any anxiety or distress over what was coming upon him because he was always thinking of Krishna. who was the source of all bliss in all circumstances but he's described that I do have a very deep lamentation in my heart and what is that lamentation for those fools and rascals who are making big big plans in this material world to try to find happiness and relief from anxiety The more they make their plans, the more they entangle themselves in miseries and bondage. That is the nature of this world. You know, the Creator, the Lord, gives us so many hints and indications in His creation of the situation we're in. Did you ever see the spider? how he very cleverly and expertly weaves his web. Have you seen? It's actually a very beautiful creation. And it's very functional. The purpose of the web is single-pointed, to catch the fly. To the fly, the spider symbolizes death. Now, when this fly, somehow or other, is attracted to the beauty of the web, he thinks, ah, this is a very comfortable place to rest. It does look very comfortable, very soft, ah, very beautifully decorated. Especially in the morning with the glistening dew, Ah. So the fly is thinking, ah, a nice comfortable sitting place that we enjoy and then he sits and enjoys and then when it is time for him to go he cannot move so he thinks, ah, what to do? I'm stuck? ah, but I am very strong I have my wings, I have my legs I am... I am equipped to take care of myself after all, I am a survivor So the fly begins to endeavor to get out and the more the fly endeavors to get out the more he becomes entangled and the harder he tries for relief the more he suffers and if he's really a dynamic enthusiastic aggressive fly with big big plans of how to get out in a few minutes You cannot even see him you just see a little white ball just moving around like this Uh, and he's helplessly suffering hopeless now an intelligent fly what will he do he will not make his own plans to get out he'll simply call upon someone outside who can pull him out then easily he can be freed So this material existence has been created by the Supreme Lord Sri Krishna exactly as a spider weaves his web. We come here because we want to be comfortable on our own without Krishna. But then there are so many difficulties, so many problems that face us, and we make big, big, royal, grand plans to solve these problems, and the more we endeavor, the more we become endlessly entangled in the complexities of material nature. You see, as long as we think we are the lord of material nature, step by step by step we become entangled and ensnared in the complexities of this existence. Prahlad Maharaja said that if you want to find real happiness in this world, there's a very simple formula. You know what that formula is? Do not endeavor for happiness in this world. If you never endeavor for happiness in this world, you'll never find distress, you'll never find frustration but to the degree you want to find happiness in this world, to that degree you must suffer, today or tomorrow. Because the very objects of your happiness you become so attached to, you become so dependent on, that when they are taken away, it is worse than death. Yehi bhoga suramate Krishna says, an intelligent person does not take part in the sources of misery <coughs> which are born of the contact of the senses and their objects. <coughs> Such pleasures have a beginning and an end, so a wise man does not delight in them. But rather, Krishna says, in the third chapter of Gita. One who is illumined within, who rejoices within, who is enlightened within, and finds his satisfaction within. He is a man of steady happiness. (laughs) So as long as we are living on the basis of this grand illusion, the basis of this illusion Janasya yam aham that I am this body and all things related to this body are mine that is the great lie we are all living factually you are not this body This body is ever-changing. Krishna says in Gītā, As the embodied soul continually Mm -hmm. passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, the soul similarly passes into another body at the time of death. A self-realized soul is not bewildered by such a change. The body is a temporary residence. It is the conscious force, the soul, that is your identity. At the time of death, the body remains, but where are you? You are gone nobody cares for the dead body even the persons who loved you worshipped you and adored you most during your life they do not care for it what will they do with your dead body they will put it in the flames of fire or they will bury it in the ground would your loved ones do that to you Huh? if it is you why are your loved ones doing like this because it is not you they are crying because you are gone you are not your body the difference between the living body and dead body is consciousness and it is the soul the spiritual force within the body that is the source of that consciousness now in this world practically everyone is simply living under the conception that I am this body and theoretically people may say oh yes yes I am the soul but their whole life is dedicated only to the body what are we doing for the progressive advancement of the soul Therefore, the truth is to understand who we are and to live accordingly. And this human form of life is specifically meant to live for the purpose of the truth. Truth is not simply being honest in your daily affairs. That is a type of truth. But, if your sense of honesty and truth is based on a lie, your truth is just part of a big lie. It's not the truth. Some people are very much thinking that if I'm just honest and I do my work the way I should, and I do not cheat cheat anyone, then I'm living according to the truth. Huh? According to Bhagavatam, this is called honesty amongst thieves everything is the property of God and yet we are claiming proprietorship over whatever we can get but we do it in an honest way just like if a gang of thieves rob a bank and after taking this big load of money, they go to their secret hideout where nobody's around and they look at each other and say, let us divide it honestly. (laughs) Now amongst themselves there's a sense of honesty. But for anyone from outside, they understand that what is the use of such honesty amongst thieves? It's all dishonest. So similarly, so-called truth, so-called honesty, based on a grand illusion, a lie. That truth is just part and parcel of the lie. The great lie, the all, the great illusion, is we are thinking that I am this body, and the things referenced to this body are mine. The absolute truth is to understand. That I am the eternal servant of God. I am part and parcel of God. And sarva loka maheshwaram. everything is the property of God. Nothing is mine. It never was, it is not, and it never will be. Proprietorship entails control. If you own something, can anyone take it away from you? They have no right. If I own this house... No one can tell me to leave. But if I'm only renting it, uh, at any time the landlord can come and say, get out, it's mine. Of course, here in Bombay, it's more difficult. (laughs) (laughs) We have your squatter's rights. But in God's arrangement, there are no squatter's rights. (laughs) In God's arrangement, when He wants you out, you have to go, huh? You can't say, according to the Bombay m- m- municipality, uh, I have my rights to be here, whether you are the owner or not. Krishnan will tell you that I am not subject to the municipal laws of Bombay. Everything is mine, Loka meheswaram. That is a fact. The fact that even our own body can cannot keep it from growing old. It is aging right before your eyes. You'll do anything to keep it young, but you have no power. Because your body is under the control of material nature. It is not your property. Material nature is factually the controller and owner of your body. <clears throat> material nature is working under the influence of time and time at every second is consuming the duration of your life so your whole physical existence is the property of almighty time Krishna says in the Gita prakriti suyate sa hetu nani ah He says, I am the controller and master of this material nature and it is working exclusively under my direction. Krishna also says in the 11th chapter of Gita, time I am consuming everything that exists. So this body is not our property. What to speak of those things in reference to our body? Our family our home our wealth our position in society they will all be taken away today or tomorrow and you have no control you have a little bit of sense of control for a short amount of time but every tenant has those rights huh? <laughs> so therefore If we are under this illusion of I and mine, our whole life is dishonest. It is based on lie. It is based on illusion. So even if we are living a very honest so-called life, living by the highest ethics, it is ethic amongst thieves. It is honor amongst thieves. Anyone who is not accepting the proprietorship of God is a thief according to the principle of truth. Uh, So, how to be happy if we are not living truth? Krishna describes in Bhagavad Gita, fifth chapter, very simply, the peace formula. The peace formula is simply if you know what the truth is and live by it, you will be happy. And what is the peace formula? bhokta-ram-jaka-tapasam sarva-loka-maheswaram suritam sarva-bhūtanam gyāpa-māṁ shanti One who understands that I am the proprietor of everything that exists. And therefore, everything is meant for my enjoyment. Everything is meant to be offered as a devotional action toward me. And that I am the best loving, well-wishing friend of all living entities. One who simply understands these three principles can achieve unlimited, infinite, everlasting peace. Is that not what we are all seeking, is peace? Through our family life, through our business endeavors, through our educational um, training, throughout the development of the city and the society, through our developing the integrity of our good name amongst men, are we not seeking out peace, pleasure, happiness? That is the bottom line, the basis the motivating force behind what everyone is doing. Peace and happiness. According to the particular influence of the three gunas or the modes of material nature we are under, we find happiness in different ways. Those under the mode of goodness, they find happiness in giving in charity, in doing favors to others, in beautiful poetry, beautiful song, beautiful art those in the modes of passion Rajabuna, Guna they, they are seeking peace and happiness in getting more and more and more money having better and better sex life having a bigger, higher, prestigious name in society huh? being number one climbing the ladder Those in the mode of tamaguna, ignorance, they find pleasure in inflicting harm upon others, in seeing others suffer, in intoxication, in ghastly acts like slaughtering animals to eat their flesh, in sleeping excessively just to forget everything. To a man in a mode of ignorance, peace is very much found in deep sleep. (laughs) But you see, everyone is looking for peace and happiness. But Krishna describes the real formula to find real everlasting. To simply recognize that Krishna is the proprietor of everything, that everything is meant for his enjoyment, and that he is the best well-wishing friend of all of us. When we are speaking of Krishna, we are speaking of God. There is one God. Religion is not a sectarian idea, God is called upon by many names: Allah, Jehovah. Yahweh, Rama, Robinda, Krishna, Narasimha, Ramana. God has many names. But there is one supreme absolute truth who is the cause of all causes. Who is the proprietor of everything and who is the object of all love for those who are living according to truth. so when we repose that natural affinity to love in the reservoir of all love then we find real peace real happiness real love in our life and that is the truth krishna says in gita bhaktyamam abhijanati yadanyas jasmi tatkvata tatomam yatvatam darpa vishithet an anantara Through the process of approaching Me with devotion, bhakti, I reveal My infinite love upon My devotee. What does bhakti mean? Bhakti is very simple. It is very direct and it's very practical. Some people think that you are talking all this lofty philosophy it is nice to sit in a satsang hall and listen but i'm a practical man i have to make it in this world this is all so much intangible information the process of bhakti is the most practical tangible realistic way to live in today's society for everyone who is sincere to live by truth. Krishna says whatever you do, whether you are a doctor or a lawyer or a businessman or an industrialist or a housewife or a student or a sannyasi, or a soldier, or a street sweeper, whatever you do, you do it as an offering of love to Me and all that you eat and all that you offer and give away whatever charity, whatever austerity whatever spiritual practice anything you do should be done as an offering of love to me Krishna does not tell us to change our, the standard of what we are doing in life He teaches us to change the standard of the quality of how we do it there is no need to change our ashram nor is there a need to change our profession but there is a urgent need to change the quality of consciousness in which we are performing and living our life if we are living according to an illusion simply trying to accumulate more and more and more for our own selfish interests without reference to the truth, then we are simply further entangling ourselves in the bondage of ignorance. But if we perform those same activities in the consciousness that I am God's servant and offer our words, our thoughts, and our acts in the loving service of the Lord, that same life will open the doors to liberation. We're speaking about Bhagavad-gita. Let us take, for example, the Mahabharata. Here you have, on one side, Arjuna, and on the other side, Duryodhana. Duryodhana. Ah. They both have the same weapons, bows and arrows they both have the same type of chariot they're both going into the warfare and they're both doing exactly the same thing they're shooting arrows at people Huh? they're fighting from the totally relativistic point of view there's no difference in what Duryodhana is doing and what an Arjuna is doing they're identical they're both fighting soldiers fighting a war but there is a difference Duryodhana was utterly vanquished and he died a miserable death. Whereas Arjuna attained the fortunes of both this world and the next. Why? Because Duryodhana was fighting his war for his own selfish interests. And Arjuna was doing exactly the same activities But he had a different consciousness. He had a different quality. He was doing it as an act of loving service to the Lord. He was not attached to enjoying the fruits of his actions for his own sense gratification. But he was working to offer everything in the service of God. Some people are under this illusion that Bhagavad Gita teaches work is worship. Huh? But Krishna clears up this argument. Krishna says, work done is an act of sacrifice to Vishnu. frees one from all entanglement and open the doors to eternal life. But work done for any other purpose only entangles one deeper in bondage and suffering. So whatever you do, it's not so much what you do, but the quality of the consciousness of how you do it and who you do it for. That is what determines whether our life is based on truth or illusion. Now, everyone in this room tonight is a very rational, very intelligent human being. Now, the real purpose of human life is to question what is the integrity of my existence in this world? How will I utilize this valuable opportunity of human birth? Will I live according to a grand illusion or will I live for the truth? You must ask this question if you want your human life to have any partial integrity. It is easy for any fool to just go along with what everyone else is doing and not question. The example is in the slaughterhouse, they keep lots of food on the line to the slaughtering area. So the innocent goat is simply eating his food and following all the other goats and are standing in line just thinking oh everyone else is going this way so I will go this way besides the food tastes good but they do not know that they are coming closer and closer and closer to their death human life is meant to come above the intelligence of a goat if we see that the whole society is simply marching forward to a ghastly Climax, the time of death. Garga Upanishad says, "Yo, yo tad e garga Upanishad describes that he is a miserly, foolish man. Yo va e One is the most unfortunate, miserly man who takes the rare human birth." and quits his body like the cats and dogs without understanding self-realization. So let us sincerely meditate upon this most essential subject matter of all subjects. What I will do with my life, with the remaining moments I have to live. Will I live to understand? infinite happiness, eternal peace. And if you really want to help others, share that peace, share that infinite joy, that is what the world needs. That is the only shortage in this world, a shortage of compassion, mercifulness, love. A shortage of God consciousness therefore the greatest wealth that we can obtain and the greatest wealth we can offer to another is the name of God <laughs> so let us utilize this valuable human life for its ultimate purpose and find real happiness real meaning real fulfillment let us take seriously the subject matter of self-realization and practically apply it to our life by chanting God's holy name. Thank you very much. There a few people who are uh, sages or uh, acharyas who, uh, who probably have reached the level where they, they are equipoised. Uh, they never ever demonstrate any happiness. So we really, uh, if we say that uh, they uh, just that, that they are not shaken by the misery, is that um, the, and uh, that they they don't feel any any misery, is that the standard of happiness that they would feel, or uh, because nobody ever demonstrates any happiness. They're... So there are different paths leading to various realizations of the Absolute Truth. The Lord is Sachit ananda He is eternal, He is full of knowledge, and He is full of bliss. And He has three corresponding features. Brahm- the Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam describes, Vadanti tat tatvam yajganam advayam that those who are seers of the Absolute Truth, they perceive the Absolute Truth in three features, as the impersonal, formless, infinite, all-pervading Brahman, as the Paramatma, the feature of the Lord who is residing within the heart of every living being, and as the Bhagavan or the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the cause of all causes and the beautiful reciprocator of all other relationships. So the jnanis are those on the impersonalistic path of self-realization. They, their goal and their realization is Brahman, to merge into the Brahman, or mukti. Mukti means, in this sense, to be liberated from all the miseries of material existence by entering into the eternal aspect of the Lord. So those who realize Brahman, the impersonal Brahman, the Absolute Truth on that level, they are in tune with the eternal, infinite aspect of the Lord. Therefore, they do not suffer any of the miseries of material nature, which are all due to the temporary conditions of this world. Dukalaya maśāśvatam This world is a place of misery, ultimately, because everything is temporary. So when you realize the infinite aspect of the Lord, you are above transcendental to all temporary manifestations. You are indifferent to them, so therefore, there's no more suffering. Actually, most of the great saints and sages they are on the path of impersonal liberation. But one step higher is those great yogis who endeavor to perceive the all-knowing Lord in the heart. Krishna says in Gita, Veda ham samatita ni bharta chabhutani mamtu veda nakasjana he explains that He is seated within the heart of every living being. And as the Paramatma in the heart, He knows everything happening past, present and future. He also knows every living being. So through the process of yoga, through the process of meditation and purifying our senses, our mind and our life airs, our mind becomes subtler and subtler and subtler so that we can perceive directly the Paramatma within the heart who is the source of all knowledge. When we come in contact with Him, we realize both the Sat, the eternal, and the Chit, the all knowing aspect of the Lord. But Krishna says in Gita Bhaktya mama bhaktya tvana mea shakya aham evam vidwarjana gyatam drestam chatakvina praveshtam chaparantapa. Only by undivided bhakti or devotion can I be understood in my original form of Bhagavan. Through the process of devotion, bhakti, one can attract the supreme mercy of the supreme Personality of Godhead, the Lord of Vaikuntha, the Lord of Braja. In Vrindavan we find Krishna, he is exchanging the most pleasurable, loving reciprocations with his devotees. Huh? In Vrindavan, everyone is simply enjoying. It. What are they enjoying? The beauty and the mercy and the love of Krishna. So, this realization of God is the Ananda feature of the Lord. And one who surrenders to the supreme personality of Godhead, the personality of Bhagavan, through Bhakti, he realizes the eternal bliss potency of the Lord. That is the fullest realization of God because it includes Satchit Ananda. So those devotees who have awakened their natural love of God, they manifest joy. Huh? they are chanting and dancing, in joy. With great joy and bliss they are describing the beauty and glories of God. Wherever they go, in great bliss they are describing how nice is Krishna, what He is doing, what is the nature of His mercy. And their only business is to simply spread this joy to everyone and anyone. Krishna says in Gita He says, My devotees, they are constantly enjoying great satisfaction and bliss discussing my glories amongst themselves and spreading my glories amongst all others. When Lord Chaitanya, who is Krishna himself, he was playing the role of the greatest Bhakta, when the impersonalist philosophers saw him during his visit to Benares, they were thinking, what is this nonsense? He's a sannyasi? We are good jnanis. We are studying the shastra. We are performing tapasya. We are very um, sober. We don't give in to our sentiments. We are like rocks. We are equal in all conditions. But this Chaitanya, He's dancing, chanting, crying, always talking about the bliss of Godhead. He's simply a sentimentalist. He's, some, he's, he's of the quality of a woman. Huh? He will not get very far amongst us stalwart sannyasis who have understood Brahman. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not care about them. But he cared enough to try to uplift them. So, they invited him for lunch one day. And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came into the assembly of all these big stalwart, learned, mayavadi sannyasis practicing severe tapasya for years and years and years, who were equal in all conditions and unchanged by all circumstances, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came in the room. There was a place where everyone washed their feet. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu washed his feet and then sat down in the foot washing area. And because he was Krishna himself, that Brahma Jyoti, that impersonal Brahman effulgence, started radiating from his body. So all the Mayavadis, they were very really attracted by this radiance. Their whole life and soul was simply to perceive that radiance. So they said, Ah, you are such a beautiful person. Why are you sitting in this dirty place? Come and sit with us. He said, no, no, no. You are all great learned scholars. I'm just a lowly sentimentalist. I'm not fit to sit next to you. So the leader of the Vayavadis, Prakasananda Saraswati, took him by the hand and said, please, please come sit on this raised platform with the rest of us. And then he spoke to Lord Chaitanya. He said, you are a sannyasi. You are like us. You are of the same sampradaya as us. Shankara charges Sannyas order you should be with us sitting here performing tapasya and studying Vedanta why you are so nonsense with all these low-class people just going to the streets chanting and dancing and crying like a sentimental woman you're ruining the good reputation of all of our sannyasis you're emotional you're supposed to be like stone why you're so emotional Netanya Mahaprabhu looked at them and said I am a very fallen soul my Guru Maharaj told me that you are not intelligent enough to just study the Vedas all day you should just chant the holy names of God you just chant Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Ram Hare Ram 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 Ram, He said so I went home and I started chanting Hare Krishna and soon Tears started flowing from my eyes, my hair started standing on end, and my limbs began to vibrate. I didn't know what was happening. So I went back to my Guru Maharaj. I said, what's taking place? Since I've been chanting, I've become like a man-man. And my Guru Maharaj said, ah, you have attained the perfection of life. These are all symptoms of divine ecstasy. So you see, you are all very learned fellows. But I am very unqualified, so let me just go on chanting, and experiencing great bliss." And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu proceeded to completely defeat philosophically every point of their arguments. It is said they attacked him with sharp fangs of philosophical arguments, and he broke their fangs to pieces and totally established that the principle of bhakti was the supreme conclusion, the siddhanta of the Vedas. And the result was, all the Mayavadi Mayavadi sannyasis began to chant in kirtan. And as soon as they tasted the sweetness of the holy name, they completely gave up the conception of happiness that they were experiencing in the Brahman platform. because they experienced the anand future of the Lord. So those who are on the path of bhakti, they are not like stones. Their emotions are purified by love. Therefore, they are always sharing the sweetness of that love with all living beings. Does that answer your question? example of this boat in the slaughterhouse. Ah. what choice actually the goat has? simply eat there and get slaughtered. simply and the same way we are in the prison house. Ah. we have to suffer whatever has been granted to us. Krishna says in Gita sarva dharaman purityaja maam kam saranam ja, aham tvam sarva paapigyo ja, moksha hi shami Krishna says, whatever sinful activities you have performed and whatever karma you have in your life, if you just surrender to me, I will relieve you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. At any moment we have the choice to turn to God. And as soon as we turn to God with a sincere heart, all the effects of all of our sinful reactions are relieved. The fact is you are not a goat. You are a human being, which means you have a rational power to discriminate and choose. Huh? You can turn the other way at any time, if you so desire. Without the sanction of the Lord even blade of grass, God has already given his sanction. Not only a sanction, his order is to surrender to him and he'll relieve you from all sinful reactions, but he gives you the choice whether you are willing to accept it or reject it. This world is full of people rejecting it because they're very much anxious to stand in line toward death. But those few souls who are fortunate, they accept this blessing of the Lord and they surrender. And they find freedom and eternal happiness. Yes. To understand the absolute truth, there are different uh, parts of yoga suggested. It's like Dharma yoga, Bhakti yoga, Dhyan yoga, and why do you just say Bhakti yoga is the only path? It is not the only path. All these paths are gradual steps to elevate the soul to higher and higher levels of consciousness. But according to the authority of the Shastra bahunam janmanamante vasudeva sarvamiti After many, many births and deaths of practicing the various systems of religion and yoga, when one finally comes to the point of knowledge he surrenders with love to Vasudeva, knowing Him to be the cause of all causes and all that is. So bhakti is the culmination of all these systems of Yoga. It is the highest process of Yoga. Krishna, in the sixth chapter, describes the systems of astanga and saṅkhya-yoga. And the last verse of the sixth chapter, forty-seventh verse, Yogi nama pisaravisham madgate mam He says, Arjuna, in all cases be a yogi. And of all yogis, he who abides in me with great faith and devotion, he is most intimately united with me in yoga and he is highest of all. The perfection of yoga is not liberation. The perfection of yoga is pure love liberation is automatically included in pure love. So therefore bhakti, which is factually the simplest form of yoga, is also the highest form of yoga. So we have the choice of going through many, 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 many births and deaths of gradually elevating ourselves up the ladder of the yoga system, or we can directly just surrender to Krishna. The conclusion of Gītā is, Sarva Dharaman Mam e Kam Sarva Krishna says, abandon all varieties of religion. Yoga means religion. Huh? The word yoga in Sanskrit means to link up with the truth, with the source, with God. And the word religion comes from the Greek word religio, which means to bind one back to one's source. Yoga and religion mean exactly the same thing. So Krishna says, abandon all varieties of religion, yoga, and just surrender to me. Bhakti means simply to surrender to Krishna, does it not? I shall relieve you from all sinful reactions, do not fear. It is the simplest, most direct process. And in this age of Kali Yuga, where everything is so difficult anyway, we should take the simplest and most direct process. Huh? Yes? My question is twofold. First of all, anybody who is taking much interest in this feature life, worshiping Krishna, he loses interest in the material, you know, prosperity, he feels something like he feels something he his feeling. I am not much interested now. In I am uh, taking interest more in the spiritual life. And that's why they have, they have fear in the mind. He loses. Then he, in comparison to worshipping any demigod or devta, that's they are very comfortable. So why one uh, should worship Krishna? Because there positively has fear in the mind by seeing other people. Hmm. Was Arjuna any less? an efficient soldier after he surrendered to Krishna. He was the best soldier. Was Maharaj Yudhisthira less of a king after he surrendered to Krishna? He was the best king. When you surrender to God, even in your ordinary responsibilities in this world, you become the best. Whatever you're doing, does not anxiety decrease your efficiency? If you're free from anxiety, if you're free from confusion, bewilderment and doubt, are you not more efficient in whatever you do? And if you have have a higher purpose to fulfill in performing your duty, will you not do it better? Huh? If someone is simply doing his duty for some ordinary maintenance of a family, He may do it very nice, but if he is doing it to glorify God as well as to maintain his family, do you not think he'll do it better? It's not that when you become a devotee of God, you become less efficient in this world. You become more efficient because you have a higher purpose and a clearer mind to perform your work. And not only that, but your work becomes beneficial to all living beings. Because you do it with love, rather than simply doing it out of greed, where you simply cause further disturbance and confusion in society. No. You don't become you do not become less efficient in your practical duties. You become truly a benefactor for all humanity when you perform whatever service you have to society with love toward God. And as far as feeling comfortable worshipping the devatas for material benedictions and being afraid to worship Krishna, if that is what you want, that is what you should do. If you see Krishna says in Gita, devata, That those who worship the demigods for material benediction, they are less intelligent because those material benedictions are perishable. They have a beginning and an end. And the demigods can only give you those benedictions. But if you worship the Supreme God, He can give you the eternal benediction of eternal life. So if that is what you want, some temporary material prosperity, then go to that place where you can get that <clears throat> Krishna says abrahma bhuvana loka punar avartano jana Krishna says from the highest planet in this entire material universe brahma loka down to the lowest planet patala loka they are all places of misery why? because they all cultivate and culminate in birth and death but one who attains the eternal abode of mind, Krishna says, he never takes birth again in this material world. So what you want, you endeavor for that, and you will get it. We are not telling you you must do this or you must do that. We are simply giving you the choices and telling you clearly and plainly what the, what the options are. If you want an eternal life full of bliss and knowledge, you surrender to the Supreme Lord. If you want some temporary fruits of material life, then you worship those persons who can give you that. But at least you should know. You should know what the purpose and the opportunity is that you have in this human life. Wait back to Barbara's question. <laughs> We see that in the materialistic world, whosoever is reached a very top post position in all any fields, in sports, or in business, or in industry, whosoever is reached a very high position, these people say that they are not at all religious, they are not spiritual. And uh, when we are talking with, with this question that uh, we can work more efficiently, then why we are not reaching the top post position? You are, your reference is limited to what you perceive during this particular era called Kali Yuga. Uh, <laughs> in previous times, most everyone was religious. And the most prosperous and successful people in all fields of life were the most religious people. Uh, In Kali Yuga, what is religion is taken to be irreligion and what is irreligion is taken to be religion. And see the condition of the world that has left us in. Read the newspaper. What is the condition of the world we live in? It is full of problems, full of unsolvable complexities. It's about to just... just fall to pieces on every level, economically, socially, huh? The most prosperous nation in America is the United States of America. The economists understand that at any second there's gonna be a total economic collapse. A couple years ago on that black day in October, the whole stock market came this far from crashing completely and putting the entire nation in utter depression, poverty. And they know that one of these days is going to happen, but they're afraid to admit it. The national debt in America is trillions of dollars. America has nothing except debt. And the whole world is chasing after the ways of America there's violence in the street in every city. Every city is about 70% ghetto in America. Although in India, when people go as tourists, they go to the the, the nice places of the city. But 80% of the inner cities in the country are ghetto, where there's simply crime, murder, and drug, drug addiction. There are sections of New York City where over half the population are addicted to cocaine, crack, the newest pleasure. It's such a problem that they don't know what to do. And the lakes are polluted and the air is polluted. There's nuclear waste in the ground that's seeping through the the vessels that it's in. It's about to destroy the whole um, agricultural basis of good land. This is just one country. But to speak of internationally, everyone's ready to declare war on each other, and they're just spending billions of dollars a day building nuclear bombs, huh? That's the condition of the world. So when you say the best people in the society today are the people who are godless, the best people of the society today are the the ones that make the society, the world, what it is today, which is full of problems and unsolvable dilemmas, huh? Is that what you want? Do you want to be a part of the solution or a part of the problem? That men who are like dogs, hogs, camels, and asses praise men who are like bigger dogs, hogs, camels,